In life's journey, we must seek to reflect, learn, and grow. Welcome to the Road to Rediscovery with your host, Aubrey Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons to learn and grow from them and to take it to the next level and help others who are struggling through dark times. My special guest is an educational consultant, author, trainer, and collaborator. With over two decades of leadership roles, he's laser focused on building collaborative partnerships on any level for continuous improvement. His book, Let's Put the C in PLC, A Practical Guide for School Leaders, covers the skills, tools, and more for collaborations that get results. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Chad Dumas to the show. Hey, Chad, how are you? Welcome to the show, man. Oh, I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be able to engage with you. Oh, no, absolutely. You're welcome. Likewise, we're glad that you have taken time out of your busy schedule to, uh, to you know, come on the show and, and just give us a glimpse into who Chad is and the great work that Chad's doing. So um, let me go ahead and just kind of start off here. Um, and this is my first question. In many cases, you know, it's, it's usually in our younger formative years uh, when we discover a passion or a dream that we want to pursue, you know, I mean, in adulthood, I can remember people asking me, when did you like talking to people or public speaking or, or anything like that? Well, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to put the, uh, I don't know, the, um, the, uh, the, 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 the wooden spoon, you know, in front of my mouth and pretend it's a mic. So <laughs> with um, a lot of this uh, dreams that we want to pursue and passions that we find out or discover in our formative years, um, was this the case for you in education and developing? Um, and if not, what inspired you to move in this direction? Yeah, for me, you know, my life's journey has been uh, really a lot of, um, you could say, happy accidents mm -hmm. that, you know, guided me along a path that uh, if, if somebody would have said to me 20 or 30 years ago that, Chad, you'd be where you are, I would have, you know, never thought that this is where I would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so early on, you know, probably like a lot of young uh, boys my mm -hmm. age, um, you know, first, second grade, I wanted to be a firefighter and a police yeah. officer, and, you know, did all the, the junior firefighter things and all those types of things. Uh -huh. uh, and then I went through a stage of wanting to be a scientist because I really loved science. I still love science. Yeah. yeah. And um, actually, very interestingly, um, Fifth grade, I went down to our elementary school and was playing basketball by myself, just shooting hoops on the in the elementary, you know, basketball hoop. Right. And some guy was also there. I don't know. He might have been thirty years old or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was fifteen, but he, you know, I'm I was, you know, eleven years old. So right. he seemed really old. Yeah. We we started playing basketball together. I still mm -hmm. to this day have no clue who this guy was. Yeah. And had a conversation about what we wanted to be, and uh, mm -hmm. I I said I wanted to be a scientist, mm -hmm. and he said, Oh, are you good at math? Like, well, yeah. And he said, Well, you got to get really good at math to be a scientist. You got to do mm -hmm. a lot of math, like really high level math. Mm -hmm. And uh, quite frankly, it scared me. Um, mm. Even though I was good at math, uh, mm -hmm. it made me question whether or not I wanted to be a scientist. I and uh, interestingly, that so, so the reason why I share that is yeah. the power that our language has on other people. 
even when we don't realize it. Total stranger, never met him before, never right. met him since. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Planted seeds of doubt in my mind as a you know, 10, 11 year old. And mm -hmm. um, that shifted my career thinking from there on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then, you know, I struggled. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was a musician, I played the piano. Uh, mm -hmm. played saxophone at that time a few years mm -hmm. later picked up the trumpet and then the baritone horn and in high school mm -hmm. uh, had amazing teachers that i really loved including the band director mm -hmm. and um uh, when i graduated from high school i wasn't quite sure what i was going to do but I, I knew i wanted to serve humanity yes and um took a gap year that was this was mid 90s this was before a lot of people did gap years right now yes, yes. Now, they, now they call it gap year they do that's right 100% <laughs> then, yep then it was like huh, you're doing what you're taking a year off and you know right will the university hold your scholarships I, yeah they do it was all okay but anyway i, I went yeah. and served at the, in uh, in israel oh, uh, wow. for a year mm -hmm. at uh, the world center for the bahai faith and i was a gardener in haifa okay. so uh -huh. um, this was a really mind-changing experience for me not only you know the physical aspects and the spiritual aspects but just the mindset aspects yeah, yeah. where i was serving with people from 80 different countries mm -hmm. and you know my roommates were from ireland and cameroon and canada mm -hmm. and then later on from bolivia and costa rica and, um, mm -hmm. canada another canadian uh, you know yeah. just from all over the world yeah and I had this experience that really shaped then the rest of my life mm -hmm. where um, his name was Marco Verhagen and uh, he's a Northern European. I think he's uh, Danish, if I remember correct, or, okay. or Belgian. And uh, he trained me in the gardens and we mm -hmm. somehow got on this conversation about how many continents are there. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, all your listeners who are American will know that in second grade, we're taught that there are seven continents. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, this is a fact. I remember, yeah, yeah. You remember, okay, there's yeah. seven continents, five oceans, right? I mean, this uh -huh. is just a basic fact. And somehow Marco and I got onto this conversation and he said, what, no, there's five continents. Hmm. And so then this was like, a. so he and I, you know, bantered back and forth and had this friendly mm -hmm. conversation discussion. And, and then decided, you know, I'm, I'm here with people from 80 different countries. I'm going to ask what other people think. How many continents are there? Sure. So it turns out that everywhere in the world, except for the United States, students are taught that there's five continents. Mm. <laughs> in the U.S., we're taught that there's seven. Yes, that's right. Um, now, now, the Canadians, wow. they would they would look at me and say, oh, you're American. That means there's seven. Like seven. the Canadians must <laughs> right. be taught both or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. uh, but, and so this like really changed my thinking, like something as basic as what we're taught when we're seven years old mm -hmm. as a fact isn't really a fact. Mm. Changed my perspective. And it made me realize that, you know, if 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 I hold up a beach ball mm -hmm. and you say it's yellow and mm -hmm. I say it's red and somebody else says it's blue, we're all right. Yeah, we just have different perspectives. Very interesting. Very interesting. By the way, you're probably wondering and the listeners are wondering, well, what are the five continents then? Right? Yeah, and, what are they? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So America, they count North and South America as one continent. America. So okay. America. All right. Europe. Mm -hmm. Africa. Asia. Australasia. And then they don't count Antarctica. I see. 
So we count Antarctica uh, and we yes. separate North and South America. Amazing. Amazing. So, so, uh, so, so anyway, just, you know, just this idea of the importance of seeing other people's perspectives. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, in working in, you said Israel, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in during that gap year, doing something as productive and as, um, you know, as eye opening as, mm-hmm. as working abroad and, and, you know, working with people from different countries and everything, that just opened the door to yes. all sorts of possibilities and new perspectives for you that, yeah. um, that, that going, going to university the following year would not have given you <laughs> in that length of the same length of time. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And, and, and the way you mentioned how, you know, in, in the States, yes, they teach us seven continents and not five. I don't know. I, I kind of, and, and I have friends in, in, in Canada where, you know, we kind of, kind of just lightly rib each other a little bit <laughs> and we, and, and, and they say, you know, it's funny how like um, in the States, everyone else goes by kilometers and in the States you're going by miles, you know, um, mm-hmm. everyone yeah. does meters and you're here, yeah. you are doing feet, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that really both experiences that you shared with us here, Chad, um, it's very eye-opening, right? I mean, you had an early introduction to the impact that words can have mm-hmm. on, on someone's direction, someone's desire. And then, um, you know, you had another introduction on the difference of, uh, perspectives later in right. life. Right. Yeah. So, um, what lessons from both of those have you been able to reflect and apply um, to the work you do today? If I can just ask that, and then we, I'd love to unpack uh, your, your leadership philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of, uh, you know, that first experience and the power of words, mm-hmm. um, that's just, that continues to resonate we, with me and the impact that our words have. Mm-hmm. especially those of us who are in quote unquote positions of power. Yeah. Um, and even, w- even if we don't realize we're in a position of power, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm a classroom mm-hmm. teacher, I'm in a position of power over that class. If I'm right. a principal, I'm in a position of power over the school. If I'm right. a police officer, I'm in a position of power. If I'm a superintendent, like just go through a laundry list of, of all different um, positions of power perceived or real, Right, right. Um, there's impact. And yeah. so understanding that our words have impact and mm-hmm. trying to speak with words, uh, I love the phrase, as mild as milk. As mild as um, milk. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you think of milk, you know, the old yeah, adage, yeah. you know, before going to bed, you have a warm cup of wa- a glass of That's milk, right. you know? That's right. Why? That's right. Because it's mild, it calms yeah. things down. Now, not if you're lactose intolerant, but. <laughs> right, right. Different story there. <laughs> But this idea that, you know, how can we approach our engagement with other human beings? Right. Yeah. With a, a wisdom, if you will, mm-hmm. to the language that we use with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In terms of the the second experience and, and thinking about perspectives, mm-hmm. um, it has influenced me in the need to seek out other perspectives. Yes. Okay. And gotcha. to to have a humble approach, if you will. Mm-hmm. to my own thinking, a, a humble posture of learning to realize that I don't know it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't know it all. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, I have a tiny little sliver of the puzzle and you have a sliver and somebody else has a sliver and somebody else has, and together by engaging in collective inquiry into each other's thinking and, and reality, right. yeah. then we can come to truth um, and, gotcha. and recognize ways that we can move forward better. Gotcha. That, um, that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like uh, in the second example where you learn mm -hmm. perspective, uh, it also um, helped manifest curiosity Yes. To be curious, to have a curious mind, um, where you you know genuinely and authentically seek out those different perspectives that you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. I, your your ability to paraphrase is really masterful. That that uh, seeking seeking out from others. Yes. Uh, curiosity yes. is a great way to describe that. Oh, fantastic! Beautiful. All right. So, Chad, um, I'd like to now slightly shift and let's just sure. talk about um your educational philosophy okay and your mm -hmm. philosophy on leadership mm -hmm. uh, if you can just share for the enlightenment of the listeners um you know your philosophy your model and 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 what what you know what's the basis or the foundational foundation on the work that you do yes so um as you might surmise that experience in Israel really influences my leadership style, my leadership beliefs, my leadership yes. values. Yes. And that is that no one person can have all the answers, mm -hmm. but the answers are in the room. Mm -hmm. And so the job of designated leaders, and I use the term designated specifically because everybody has the capacity and the right to work as leaders. Yes. The designated leaders, it's their obligation to elicit that thinking, mm -hmm. to elicit those perspectives, mm -hmm. to build a common vision together, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then to um, to galvanize that vision into collective commitments and actions that we take as a collective okay. to move forward. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, we also identify metrics, mm -hmm. um, and then we bring the data back to see if we're actually making progress towards mm -hmm. that vision, the goals that we set for ourselves. Uh, and so that's the work of the leader. Um, uh, there's a great quote from, um, I believe her first name is Elizabeth or Liz Weissman mm -hmm. from the book Multipliers. Mm -hmm. um, it's maybe six or seven years old now, uh, yellow cover, uh, but it's a fantastic book where she looked at what's the different, two different types of leaders. Those that are diminishers is what she calls them. Mm -hmm. And those that are multipliers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she makes this statement in the book that I think is really, uh, really powerful. She says that leaders begin with a single, uh, with a simple assumption and a single point purpose. And that is that the other people that you're working with are good, are knowledgeable, are there to do the right work. Mm. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's the, if you're a leader, that's gotta be your single, single purpose right. and a basic assumption. Yes. And, and so with that, then we can move together, uh, move, move forward together. Now gotcha. there's lots of skills that go with that. It's not just a matter of having the assumption, but that's no, the starting no, no. point. There's a lot behind it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> I understand. 
I, I appreciate you sharing that insight, Chad. I, I, I really do. And, and, and kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of like to dovetail onto that question um, with, um, uh, I'm, I'm really eager for you to share with the listeners your thoughts on the generational evolution of leadership. Okay. Um, now, I think we're around the same age, maybe. Um, I, I, I've seen uh, in my childhood, you know, back in the 70s, there was one style of leadership. And uh, maybe yeah. it's a little different for me because both my parents were in the military. So, yeah. and, and my father was literally a drill sergeant. That was his job <laughs> and, uh, and, and not a nickname. It was his job in, in the army. And then he started recruiting. Anyhow, um, you know, he, he was of the generation of, uh, you know, being a baby boomer uh, that uh, there's a certain type of leadership. The leadership, uh, it, it involves instilling some a little bit of fear mm-hmm. uh, it involves respect it involves there's a chain of command i make the order you follow the order no questions asked right. and that that sort of thing right and then as we become adults you know uh at least in the circles in which you know i i interact with uh, different people and groups and companies um you hear a lot about what they call servant leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the role of a leader. And it's not just someone with a title, but you know, someone who has the ability to influence, someone who practices humility, you know, um, uh, someone that, that, that brings out the best in you know, the people on their team and that sort of thing. So, yeah. so over the years, there's been a shift in what were considered the norms norm characteristics, if you will, of a leader. What are your thoughts on that? Question one. And question Mm -hmm. two, um, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like uh, your model supports the latter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 In in terms of like generational leadership, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, there may definitely be something to that. Although I've read some things recently that kind of debunked that a little bit. Mm, Okay. um, That, um, that you can find both types of leadership in, you know, in all generations. Um, ah, okay. And, yeah. and for, for instance, I was able to work for an amazing superintendent. Mm-hmm. Uh, give him a shout out here, Craig Couts in Hastings. Um, he's solidly a baby boomer mm-hmm. uh, and uh, was one of the most distributed leadership, servant leadership oriented people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also worked for a, another uh, superintendent. I won't call them out because uh, they sure. were they they did not embody that. They oh. embodied more of the drill sergeant, but they okay. were not a boomer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, so I don't know. Those are my experiences anyway. I don't know yeah. if that actually bears out in the research. Um, gotcha. But in terms of uh, this idea of yeah, servant, what's effective leadership? Right. Um, what you were talking about there with the qualities of effective leadership, it made me think of immediately Jim Collins' work mm-hmm. from uh, early 2000s mm-hmm. that has um, continued to be uh, relevant to this day, where he, for those who aren't familiar with his work, he identified um, the top performing uh, Fortune 500 companies over the last 30 or 40 years. Gotcha. And then he looked at those and said, what was common about those that consistently outperform the market? Mm-hmm. And they were companies like Coca-Cola, Walgreens, uh, I don't remember whatever else. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, There were, I think, 40 companies. And Mm -hmm. what he narrowed down was common amongst all those uh, companies what was he what we what he termed level five leaders gotcha and level five leaders that was a term he contrived but mm-hmm. it had level five leaders have two main characteristics mm-hmm. yeah. one is an intense professional will mm-hmm. strong strong professional will like they are passionate about what they're doing and why they're doing it and anybody else you know, knows that that's why they're doing it. And, yes. and you and I and everybody else knows people who have this strong professional will, whether it's professionally or in their church mm-hmm. or in their community organization or whatever, like they have this strong passion for doing the work. Yeah, yeah. And the second characteristic that all of these level five ha- leaders had mm-hmm. was intense personal humility. Mm, nice. Nice. They have this unique combination of both of those. Yeah. Both the profession, strong professional will mm-hmm. and intense personal humility. Mm. And that that's what um, raises leadership to a whole new level. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, and, and, you know, I too don't have the research either from the data regarding the evolution or anything, <laughs> but I don't know, at least from my experience, that's kind of like what I've witnessed as a kid growing uh-huh. up versus the leadership that, you know, that, that we're doing in our corporate market, corporate mm-hmm. workshop force, you know, um, yeah. environment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but we do know that those are two styles, right? Yes, that's and, true. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So, so there, so there are two styles and the one common denominator though, which to me is the one consistent beauty of either style leadership is there's no denying that it takes a team. There's no denying mm-hmm. that it takes collaboration. There's mm-hmm. no denying that it takes partnerships to move the ball, so to speak, right? To achieve the objective, right? And so you talk a lot in in your book, as well as workshops that you've conduct um, for uh, collaboration, right? For continuous Mm -hmm. improvement and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, Can can you just um, share with us some, some, some principles that, uh, that, that you, you, you talk with um, in your workshops uh, that you speak to, um, you know, that, that, that helps drive people in 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 the direction of of effective collaborations and partnerships yeah absolutely um so there's a, a number of things that mm-hmm. are critical to effective uh collaboration mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and my mind went to a, a variety of things here that i could share about uh you know briefly on on this episode one 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 of the things that that my mind goes to is a study from Google, the Google Corporation from, mm-hmm. I think it was 2016 or 2017. Okay. And they studied team effectiveness in their organization. So these are teams in Google who yeah. are you know, tasked with doing whatever Google does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they studied, I think, 180 different teams to find out what made for teams that were effective and those that were ineffective. Mm-hmm. And they went in with some hypotheses, as most people would on a study, right? Sure. So they thought, well, maybe some teams are effective because they have proximity with each other. Like they're in the same part of the office. Yeah, so yeah. they're able to, you know, shout over each other's uh, cubicle and, mm-hmm. and cloud. Maybe that's something that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's the degrees 
that certain mm -hmm. people that have higher levels of degree that they're able to uh, collaborate better. Maybe yeah. it's their expertise in mm -hmm. it. You know, like if they're on a team where they have high levels of expertise and you're on a team that you don't have that expertise, maybe you're not as effective. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's that certain teams they they have better tasting brownies when they get together on the <laughs> morning. You know what I mean? Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. Think of all the reasons why a team might be effective, and and what are they? So they studied this, and what they came came out with is that none of those were what were truly impactful for effectiveness. Mm. What they found was the the teams that were effective had what they called a psychological safety. Really? And that psychological safety was broken down into two areas. Okay. That in order to create psychological safety, you have to have number one, um, social sensitivity. Yes. And number two, equity of turn taking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these two ideas are really important in our work of helping teams become better collaborators. So social sensitivity. How do we help people better? read each other's nonverbal cues, right? Voice tone, body language, yes. Um, head movements, yep. nonverbal, you know, physical, all these things that are, you know, the, the communication scientists say that, you know, what 50 to 90 some percent of communication is, is uh, the meaning of communication is through nonverbals. Yes. So we need to help people with that if they're, mm -hmm. if we want them to be effective. And mm -hmm. you know, and I know, and everybody knows that we are, we've been with people that they just cannot read a room for the life of themselves. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so we need to help them, you know, we need to help each mm -hmm. other and raise that degree of social sensitivity. So, you know, if, if Jamie is unhappy in the meeting, mm -hmm. somebody else in the room says, uh, so Jamie, I've noticed kind of a shift here maybe you're disagreeing with this, the content here. Can you share with us some of the things you're thinking about right now? Right, right. right? Yeah. So, so developing those skills in the team to, to recognize and then mm -hmm. respond appropriately through paraphrasing, yes. through pausing, through posing questions. Mm -hmm. These are skills that can be developed. Active that's listening and all that good stuff, right? Exactly. Gotcha. So that's, that's social sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And then the other area that creates psychological safety is in the area of equity of turn-taking. Mm -hmm. And again, think of groups that you're part of. Mm -hmm. The groups that are ineffective have one or two people who do all the talking. Yes, either that or they're talking over each other, right? Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Yeah. And nobody's listening to each other. Right. And, and then you also have one or two people who just sit silent and they don't say anything ever. Yes, yes, yes. You don't have equity of turn-taking. So mm -hmm. what is important with equity of turn-taking then is the use of protocols. Um, so step-by-step -step procedures to help us ensure that we have equity of turn-taking. Right. Through those two simple things, I mean, they're simple. They're not easy, but they're simple. Yeah, yeah. Um, organizations can go a long way in helping to improve the effectiveness of their collaboration. Right, right. These are some amazing tools, man. I mean, and, and, and they're, they're things that are right in front of our nose, you know, uh -huh. that you mentioned you know, social sensitivity. Oh, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. I know exactly what that means. And, 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 and then once you realize how obvious it is, and like you said, you know, they're, they're not easy to attain or, mm -hmm. or achieve. Okay, but they're, they're simple concepts, yes. you know, right. and, and so 
Um, and, and these are amazing tools um, that, that, that you help uh, in, in teams becoming more effective in their collaboration because um, I, I, would, I would imagine you would agree, effective collaboration saves time. You know? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 When it comes to delivering yeah. um, uh, uh, objectives, delivering results, uh, you have yes. a team that is very cohesive, that collaborates, that uh, has that equity of turn taking, you know, yep. in speaking and yep. so forth. Things get done quicker and there's less yeah. ambiguity, I would believe. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not saving time, that may be a red flag that yes. we're not effective and we need to be thinking about this. Gotcha. I like to share with people that what we want to do with, mm -hmm. with our groups and our team meetings is we want to get three things. Mm -hmm. We're going to get the most done right. in the mm -hmm. least amount of time yes. with the greatest group member satisfaction. Awesome. Right. We, I mean, yes. we want to feel good about it. We want to feel yeah. good about each other. And yeah, everyone wants, we, to be, wants to feel good about it. Yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah. that's the goal. The most done in the least mm -hmm. amount of time with the greatest group member satisfaction. Nice. Love it. So what type of pivots did you have to do, Chad, in the past year when it came to um, coaching um, leaders uh, in, in the educational space or the leadership development space um, with the pandemic and the rise of the pandemic? Um, and, and I'm not just talking about how you conduct your workshops and the modality of delivering mm -hmm. your workshops mm -hmm. as a pivot, mm -hmm. but as a pivot to what they need to do to be effective with their teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boy, that's a multi-layered question there. Yeah, let, I let know. Me, <laughs> let, me, let me see what I can do. <laughs> so the last uh, year and a half uh, since before the pandemic hit actually has been one giant pivot for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, professionally and personally. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So I was in a school system. I was in the Ames Community School District as the mm -hmm. uh, executive director of elementary education. And before the pandemic hit, uh, I came to the conclusion that I would no longer be in that role as of July 1st, 2020. Okay. And so before the pandemic hit, I actually resigned from that position and uh, knew that there was, there was two paths open to me. One was uh, to be a superintendent of schools, mm -hmm. and the other was to jump in full time as a consultant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'd been mm -hmm. dabbling with that for a while mm -hmm. and uh, made the decision I was going to jump in full time as a consultant. Mm -hmm. And so the, the pivoting happened really with that, you know, with writing a couple of books. Oh, I see. Yeah. With, yeah. with building a website, with reaching out to schools and districts, with doing work through Cognia, which is the um, international leading accrediting organization in the world for schools, yes. um, with doing some adjunct faculty work at uh, the University of Nebraska at Kearney with a whole bunch of things, uh, you know, in my personal and professional life. Right. And then in terms of working with schools and districts and coaching, um, you know, the modality all, as you said, completely changed to online. Right. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest pivots has been, uh, you know, a lot of my work has been in PLC work in general. Mm -hmm. uh, PLC, by the way, stands for Professional Learning Community. It's uh, educational jargon, you know, we like to use a lot of <laughs> jargon, but Professional yeah. Learning Community, so that's PLC. Gotcha. Um, so, so that was kind of my, my general area of expertise mm -hmm. that I've been doing a lot in. Mm -hmm. And I really honed in on how do we help build productive teams? How do we access everybody's expertise? Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that meetings are effective? 
and doing this all, whether it's remote or face-to-face, mm-hmm. and first and foremost, ensuring that all of that work is leading to equitable outcomes for kids. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and I think that's one thing that the pandemic has uh, highlighted for mm-hmm. us in schools. Mm-hmm. It's always been there. There's been inequities, and we've known they exist. Yeah. What the pandemic has done is taken this really bright, I don't know, 10,000 watt spotlight and just, you know, like a magnifying glass, just shined yes. the, uh, the, the bright light of the yes. inequities. And not just the pandemic, but then you have, then we also had, you know, um, the killing of countless, you know, yes. unarmed black men and women, social justice issues and George yeah. Floyd in yeah. particular, like seemed to be a tipping point that yeah. all of a sudden, not, not only do we have the pandemic, but then we also have a greater awareness of social justice issues mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, we can't, if we were burying our heads in the sand before, we got to get them out of yes. the sand. And yes. if we had our heads out of the sand, we got to make sure that our priority Number one is making sure that we're ensuring equitable outcomes for every kid, regardless of race, ethnicity, background, um, zip code, whatever different, mm-hmm. um, what some would say predeterminers of student performance are. They're not predeterminers, they're just context. And we have mm-hmm. to make sure that every kid gets what they need. Yeah, those predeterminers, or as they refer to them as predeterminers, you know, that, that I don't know, in some cases, that can be like an easy cop out. Um, it absolutely is. You know, when it when it comes to, you know, trying to explain why a certain demographic has this average score versus another demographic, right? right. Yeah. A good friend of mine, uh, Ken Williams, uh, he does a lot of work in the PLC work uh, consultant mm-hmm. uh, in that area. He he says those those er- those things that you that we're talking about, race, mm-hmm. ethnicity, background, neighborhood, mm-hmm. etc., these are context, mm-hmm. but they're not excuses. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I completely, completely agree. And man, so uh, one thing I picked up from what you just shared, Chad, is that, you know, in the pivot, and due to the simple fact that um, the pandemic has bubbled up an issue of inequities that, that, you know, was there all along, it was just accentuated, right? Um, uh, it, 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 I love how you said your, what your focus was on. Okay. Um, for, for, you know, just raising the bar and having the continuous improvement for educating our youth. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and giving them empowerment and making them feel, you know, motivated and giving them the tools to, to, to learn better. Right. I mean, as long as that's the focal point, then, you know, whatever the pivot is going to be, it's going to be the pivot for the better. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, and I tell you, I mean, you, you, you had, you had two, you had a double whammy, right? I mean, uh, you were already in the pivot anyway, career-wise right. or personally, right? right? And then right. you had the, uh, well, we all had the pandemic, and then we had just uh, case after case after case of the social uh, justice issues. And, you know, riots and protests and protests that break out and everything. I mean, man, the only thing that would, the only other thing you can add that would make it really tough is uh, an election year. Oh, wait a minute. We had that, (laughs) didn't we? 
yeah so an election year right in the middle of that and the trifecta you know, yeah trifecta it was a triple whammy you know so i mean regardless of what affiliated side you're on i mean you know uh, it, it's just uh just three very wild dynamics in yes. what i think would be a milestone year 2020 right mm -hmm. i mean i'm thinking of 2020 as this is a breakthrough year at least this is what i thought in january breakthrough year 2020 <laughs> the numbers itself 2020 implies focus vision mm -hmm. right and i didn't expect this to happen yeah know? yeah exactly yeah yeah so um I wanted to ask you about the, the, the T word when it comes to, you know, training leaders and leadership development. The T word I'm referring to, Chad, is turnover. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, now in the corporate work environment, you know, we think of this, um, that word associated with that environment um, or a work environment outside of education, but uh, at least those who aren't in education. I mean, you know, my wife, She's retired from Cincinnati Public Schools after 25 years as a teacher and a principal. So, you know, she may have a different take on that. I just never heard the term turnover in the educational circles in the 15 years I was married to her. So I'm just speaking there. I don't want to, I don't want to speak for anyone. <laughs> all right. But um, anyhow, I understand that educational leaders deal with this problem as well. Their staff, yes. their teams, yes. right? So um, does effective does does an effective leadership model address challenges such as these? Uh, short answer is yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I my personal belief, and I think the the research bears it out. And, mm -hmm. Well, I haven't done the research, but I would assume the research bears it out. I know mm -hmm. that my anecdotal uh, observations uh, bear it out. Gotcha. That uh, turnover is a canary in the coal mine, if you will. Mm -hmm. for a uh, whether or not you have a healthy or a toxic culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard once, uh, maybe it was about 10 years ago from some associates from uh, Stephen Covey's organization. Okay. Um, they said that people, people do not leave their workplace. They leave their boss. Yes, yes. And so if we're having turnover, then we need to look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. and ask ourselves why we're having that turnover. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been in organizations where two-thirds of uh, the staff turned over in the matter of a year. Mm. Um, later on, fortunately, yeah. others in the, in the, in the system mm -hmm. recognized that there were, was an issue and then made some changes. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, that's a good thing. Uh, even as difficult as that change may be, you know, yeah, to, yeah. to make that change. Right. Um, but if you've got people turning over, um, now, there does need to be some turnover. Um, sure. Not, not everybody, you know, I, I've heard the term, what's the term? Um, well, you know, you've got like grade inflation with, yeah. uh, with students is what they talk about. Well, mm -hmm. the same thing happens with teacher evaluation. Right. You know, uh, we kind of got this Lake Wobegon effect, you know, from the, the Prairie Home Companion, Lake Wobegon, where, mm -hmm. where uh, all the, all, what's the saying, all the men are good looking and all the, uh, all the girls are above average and all the men are good looking or something yeah. like that, you know, like, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying that, you know, yeah. that in, in schools sometimes, just as in other places, there's this mm -hmm. inflation and everybody, everybody is doing great. Yes. 
unfortunately, not everybody is doing great. There great. are some right. teachers. It's a very small minority. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some might say three to five percent mm, okay. um, are are not doing their job, and it's the job of the designated leaders to help them find another path that they'll be more successful in. And I'm not talking about another path in another school necessarily, right. although that can sometimes work. Yeah. But you know, some some people shouldn't be around kids. Yeah. Um, so you might be having three to 5%. And maybe you're in a school where you're up to 10 or 15% because maybe there's some issues that need to be dealt with and some culture toxicity there. Um, you know, there's um, <clears throat> something you mentioned, which I've heard this quote many times before as well. Um, when people say, you know, it's not the company when someone, you know, leaves, it's, they're not leaving the company. In a lot of cases, they're leaving their manager or their boss, right? Right. In fact, we, we, we've said that um, in, in my circles where, where I work, my background's in talent development. And um, about a year and a half ago, I was certified in situational leadership too um, by the Ken Blanchard Institute. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, those, those types of things, right? And uh, of course, leadership style is, as you, as you know. Um, so I, I think I think that was um, I think that was a very key thing that you shared for the listeners regarding you know um, a general reason why you know um, a lot of people you know leave leave the company and there is a healthy type of turnover right and, and yep, yep. Uh, you know with succession and that sort of thing um, so uh, but effective uh, effective leadership models navigate through that like you said right right. right. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and part of the role of the leadership is not only building a culture that people want to stay, but it's building a culture where people are attracted yes. to coming there as well. And so we're, we're engaging and actively recruiting um, others. Um, and in education, unfortunately, I mean, we're some of the worst recruiters. Like, you know, we have kids with us for 13 years. You'd think we could be recruiting them to come back and teach for us. <laughs> right. And we <yeah>. don't. <laughs> Although I saw a, a school district nearby here, South Tama uh, Community Schools, where that school district, and so I'll, even though you know your listeners may not be in education, take this idea, share it with your superintendents at the schools that you're with. This mm-hmm. superintendent, that school district, and that board make a commitment to all the students who decide to go into education. They send, they give them a letter signed on graduation day that mm-hmm. says, if you get your degree in education, we guarantee you an interview. When you wow. get your when nice. you get your uh, degree, yes. So yeah. um, you know, I think that's a beautiful step, and I think there's other things we can do as well. You know, I've uh, I started a partnership with a, a foundation in a school district mm-hmm. that that I then left, um, and I don't know if it's gone any further. But I think it, you know, this idea of you know local foundations saying to seniors, you know, uh, if you decide to go into education and you come back, we'll get you an interview. Um, if you if you don't get a job here or you get a job somebody else, we'll pay you an extra two thousand dollars a year or whatever to help pay for your student loans because we know mm-hmm. that the salaries in education the first the first years in education without a mass an advanced degree are terrible. Once you get a few years and once you get some advanced degree, it becomes okay. But those first few years are rough. So if there's things that we can do, so private organizations, uh, foundations, outside folks, if you all could help with us to help get 
kids to come back into education. I mean, we know that the, the teachers teach the next generation, right? They, right. they teach the doctors, right. they teach the lawyers. We need good teachers. So any partnerships that we can come up with to help incentivize, come back and, and uh, <laughs> get your teaching degree and then come back and, and teach with us. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, when, 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 when districts start something like that, you know, um, it's one of these, why didn't we think of this sooner, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Oh, my exactly. God. Yeah. So um, with um, the different workshops that you have, and I, I believe you have, um, I believe you have a blog, uh, and, and, and obviously, you, you know, your, your book, right. Um, your book, let's put, let's put the C in uh, PLC professional yep. learning community. Yep. Um, share, share some more insights about, about the book. Um, how, how long has that been, has that book been on the market and, uh, and, and, you know, what were some of the things that, um, inspired you in the book from the book? Yeah. Yeah. So it was published in October of 2020. Okay. Um, it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Powell's local bookshops and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what inspired me to write it was my dissertation um, received international accolades. It was uh, a best research award winner from one uh, organization and a finalist for best dissertation in another organization. Oh, but that was like, that was the theoretical part. But then over the course of the next nine years in a high poverty, high diversity and low performing district, mm -hmm. um, we implemented those ideas. Gotcha. And it led to that school district going from being identified as one of a handful of low, persistently lowest achieving schools mm -hmm. in the state of Nebraska mm -hmm. to having five out of the seven schools recognized as national models mm -hmm. and the other two well on their way to becoming national models. Tremendous. So, so, um, so I had that, that knowledge and that experience. And then when I came to, uh, to Ames, um, realized that, uh, this knowledge and experience isn't so as ubiquitous as what I thought it was, you know, we had created a culture there where it just was what we did. Yeah. Um, and so that's when it was like, you know what, I need to write this. Nobody's going to read a dissertation or <laughs> a lot right. of people, a lot of people aren't going to read a dissertation, but they will read a, a book that takes that and translates it into practice. And so, so there's, you know, a little bit of the research on these 10 elements of what it takes to create a collaborative environment. Right. Um, and then there's stories and there's uh, tools and there's resources and self-assessment checklists mm -hmm. to help put it into practice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and while these 10 elements of what needs you need to know to build a collaborative environment are focused on schools, mm -hmm. um, I've had some success working with some other organizations that have seen very much applicability, like to the healthcare system, right. to nonprofits, to business and things like that. Uh, and I've done just a little bit of consulting in, in some of those areas as well and would welcome more because I think uh, anywhere we can build a collaborative environment, uh, we're going to be more successful, whether that's a school or a business or a nonprofit or whatever. Yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of, um, of, of what you just shared there, right? Um, it could be applied in many different environments, not just in the educational space, but, right. um, but all the, the other areas that you just spoke of, man. Yep. Oh, Chad, man, I really appreciate this. How can the listeners connect with you, learn more about the work that you're doing, maybe uh, subscribe to your blog, and pick yeah. up a copy of the book and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So there are probably two easiest ways. One okay. is through Twitter. 
uh, at Twitter, my handle is very simple. It's at Chad Dumas, C-H-A-D-D-U-M-A-S. There's no numbers. There's no underscores or anything like that. I must've okay. gotten on early enough. It's just at Chad Dumas. Um, and on, you know, that homepage, when you, when you go there, it'll have links to my website and things like that. And for Great. those who aren't Twitter folks, that's okay. Just, you can still access that if you're not on Twitter. The other way is through my website, and that's uh, nextlearningsolutions.com, nextlearningsolutions.com, and there's a contact link there. There's a link to my blog, which I call Leadership Matters, um, and which is a play on words, both as, as a noun and a verb, Leadership Matters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I try not to send out one too often. You know, people get so many things in their email. I, I, yeah. between two and three weeks is when I send something out. Although uh, lately it's been closer to three weeks. And I think this next one, it's going to be a little over three weeks by the time it gets out. So uh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic, man. So um, <clears throat> next learning solutions. Correct. All right. Next learning solutions.com. Um, we'll make sure and have the link to your website as well as your Twitter handle at Chad Dumas right? C-H-A-D-D-U-M-A-S. Correct. Okay. We'll have uh, your Twitter social media uh, handle as well as the website on the episode show notes for the listeners to directly click to connect and learn more about you, man. Chad, Thank you. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation, man. Um, I, I really too. appreciate the insights. Uh, I, I appreciate you sharing uh, a, a glimpse into who you are and the early childhood when you're shooting hoops and, <laughs> and, and then taking the gap year, quote, gap year, you know, yeah, and, and, yeah. and learning abroad and so forth. And uh, having that experience, man, is just priceless. You know, um, I, I, I think uh, any, any, anyone graduating from high school, if they have an opportunity to do something like that, productive and fulfilling in their gap year that, you know, they, they should do something like that. So, yes. uh, man, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, Chad. My pleasure. Thank you so very much for having me. Oh, absolutely. So now we're going to go into a segment I like to call Three for the Road. And then Three for Let's the Road, it. that's where, are you ready? Oh, Let's this do guy, it. <laughs> he's ready to go. All right. Fantastic, Chad. <laughs> yeah, we're going to rock this out. And for the listener's benefit, just a quick reminder, especially if you're new to listening to the show. Three for the Road is where I ask my guests three random yet thought-provoking questions that I challenge them to answer in five words or less for each question. Now, Chad, I'm going to let you know that none of my questions are cookie cutter. I don't ask the same questions to every guest. Uh -huh. My questions are specifically custom for uh, customized for uh, my guests based on their expertise and their background and, and, and their field, all right? All right, so, this is going to be fun. Let's see. All right, so here we go, man. All right. Starting us off with question one for three for the road. This one's a fill in the blank, okay? Okay. The number one thing you want all leaders to know is? Can it be four words? Sure. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. That's right. You got to have that team. You got to have that collaboration and partnership. Don't go it alone. Love it. Love it, Chad. All right. Number two. The whole time we've been talking, man, for some reason, I've been, I, I love movies, okay? And, and uh -huh. so I've been thinking about 
movies, classroom type movies, right? Uh, like uh, Dead Poet Society, I guess, yeah. and maybe School of Rock and that sort of thing. Um, can you name a movie that demonstrates a good example of leadership? Ah, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm like you, uh, Aubrey, I love movies. Mm -hmm. um, and the pandemic's been hard not going to movie theaters. Like before the pandemic, my wife would go to one or two, my wife and I would go to one or two movies every week, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, popcorn or pop, the whole shebang. I don't know. I spent way too much money on movies over the years. Love, love these movies. Um, my my problem is is I don't remember the titles of them, but but that's okay. I the, yeah. um, there is one movie that I've used a clip from in some of my trainings. Uh, actually, you know what? There's two, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the second one instead of the first one. All right. Um, there is a scene in the movie Sister Act. No, yeah, Sister Act. Sister Act. Okay. Sister Act with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi. Yep. Um. Uh, this isn't five words or less. That's okay. Roll with um, it. But there's a scene early on when they are rehearsing in the choir. Okay. And the choir sounds atrocious. They are <laughs> yeah. awful. And Whoopi's like, what in the heck is going on? And she gets up there and she mm -hmm. starts uh, um, un unwillingly, you know, at first, one of the, you know, the director says, well, you think you can do it better? You get up here and do it. Oh, one of those. And okay, so, yeah. yeah. And so then Whoopi comes up to the front and there's so many leadership lessons in that little three minute clip mm -hmm. from Whoopi praising the previous director mm -hmm. to make sure that she wasn't undermining her mm -hmm. to maximizing the strengths of people within the choir. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. she even moves some people around like they're in the literally in the wrong seat on the bus, right? They got to get moved around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and gets them singing amazingly mm -hmm. by by pulling them together and getting them to listen to each other. And so I think there's a lot of leadership lessons in just that one little clip from Sister Act. Very nice, man. Now 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 you 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 make me want to pull the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> go to that scene it's the first one right i'm pretty sure it's the first one yes okay okay cool no thank you for for sharing that man i mean i'm always looking for good examples of leadership um in in movies yes uh, and teamwork yes. okay so question number three to top us off for three for the all right man. third and final is this like uh, wait wait don't tell me where i get a prize if i get all three right <laughs> No, I'm still trying to build that into my model, man. Hopefully sometime down the line, we'll have something like that, you know, and I'll bring you back on the show. <laughs> All right. There we go. There we go. All right. All right. Topping us off for three for the road. Question number three. What animal or animals do you feel best represent collaboration and partnerships and working together? What animal or animals best represent collaboration? I guess my mind went to, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but I'll share it anyway. My mind went to dogs. Dogs, nice. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah they they're work very in packs, much, right? They're, they're absolutely packs. about packs. Uh, yeah. And when they're in packs, you know, different leaders take the lead or, or if they're part of the human pack, Mm -hmm. Right. If you go for a walk, they they will try to take the lead, or you know, if you as the leader pull them back, then mm -hmm. they'll let you take the lead if they're you know if they're trained well. Yes. Um, but uh, very caring, very loving. 
very forgiving. Yes. Um, unconditional. These, yeah, unconditional love yeah. and forgiveness. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's my mind goes to dogs. Love it. Love it. I love dogs too. We, we had two over the past, um, well, we've had two dogs for like 16, 17 years. And oh, uh, wow. in 2019, the girl passed away. Oh, and sorry. last year, the boy passed away. But they had big, huge, fulfilling lives, great, fulfilling yeah. lives. And, you know, from vacations to making the move from Cincinnati here to North Texas and all that good stuff. And so I'm just a lover of dogs. My wife and I were on the fence now trying to decide <laughs> if, you know, we should get one or not and uh, how much time to go by, you know, but then yeah. have someone to watch the dog when we go out of town yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll, I, I know we'll wind up with one. It's just a matter <laughs> of when, right? Not if, but when. <laughs> when, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Love dogs. Love dogs. They're wonderful. They are. They are. Chad? Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I greatly, greatly appreciate having you here, man. I hope we can stay in touch and uh, any new uh, initiatives that you have down the line in the next six to eight months or so. Um, love to have you back on the show to get the listeners up to date on, uh, on what's going on. Good, fantastic. I love that. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. As a gentle reminder, I want you to save the date. What date is that you say? July 1st, save that date. The reason why is because it's the official launch date of the Rediscovery Roadmap online course, all right? If you're on a quest for personal development, this course offers an introspective approach using the four cornerstones to personal growth. For more information, just visit roadsrediscovery.com course. That's road, the number two, rediscovery.com slash course. And finally, if you have a loved one or know of someone who has reached the end of their rope, they seem to be going through so many struggles and challenges and just dark days of despair, and they don't seem to have any way to turn, any direction, I humbly ask that you please share this share with them because on the roads of rediscovery we want people to know two things number one you're not alone and number two there's always hope the roads rediscovery it's a movement a revolution and guess what you are now part of it we're all roadies on this journey of life it sure feels good having you on the road with me thanks again for listening we'll chat again soon The Road to Rediscovery is an A.J. Shark production.